man, it is Jared of the GM Floyd. It is a tough time to be a Titans fan right now. You're four and five. You're in that purgatory of you wish you were a good team. You're not really sure if you're a good team. You know that if you don't really essentially win out most of the season, I mean, you can lose one more game and still feel confident you can make the playoffs, but you don't feel comfortable you can do that because the team is too inconsistent. One week it's the kicker, the next week it's the offensive line, the next week it's the coach, the next week it's this, it's that. It's just all very fun. It's very tough to be a Titans fan. I have learned that in my life. It is very hard to be a Titans fan. And this year is no different, and Sunday was no different against Carolina. But you still hold out hope that the Tennessee Titans will make the playoffs. I don't. I mean, until they mathematically eliminate you, you're in it. But. But nothing. But. But nothing. But, Ian? Until they mathematically nah, eliminate done. you, you're in it. But. Oh, I think they're done. The so, Titans. okay, so, so he's. Yes. Yes. No, so, yeah. Okay. No way. And Ian never agrees with me and not with you. So that shows you. You know, the dichotomy and feeling. I mean, it's easy to suggest that. I mean, that's not very hard. What, that they're done? Yeah. Uh, You think that's some kind of genius? I mean, that's, you know, that's, I mean, they're sitting at four or five. I mean, with just pretty good games left. I mean, that's. The schedule is tough. Yeah, it's going to be hard, no doubt. So on, on November 5th of last year, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Titans by the score of 28-14 to go to 3-5. and five. And I believe, now, now that you know how much Jerry loves Jason Garrett, he may have never fired him, but I felt like if that game was a Sunday and not a Monday, they would have fired Jason Garrett. But, you know, short week, all of that. So, anywho, after they lost to the Titans on November 5th, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Falcons, they beat the Redskins, they beat the Saints. They beat the Eagles in overtime. They lost to the Colts. They beat the Bucks, and they beat the Giants to finish ten and six. So the Dallas Cowboys last year went from three and five to ten and six. How did they do it? They lost one time the rest of the way, which is exactly what the Tennessee Titans have got to do if they're going to make it to the playoffs. So how? What has to change about the Titans? What has changed about teams like last year's Cowboys that found their way from 3-5 and five and into the playoffs? Is it the coaching that needs to change? Is it the way they coach that needs to change? Is it the identity of the offense that needs to change? Is it the defense that needs to change? Is it the kicker that needs to change? What do the Titans need to change if they're going to get this thing going and find their way into the playoffs? Well, you're not going to change any of that stuff. Or you think you're all of a sudden go go run and shoot or something? I mean, you can't you can't do any of Gotta that. Got to do something. You can't do any of that. None of it because it is not. You can't go in the middle of a NFL season and say, "Hey, guess what, guys? We're instead of running a three four, we're going to run a four three from now on." I mean, you can't do any of that stuff. So you've got to, What you have to do is you have to do what you do better, and that's it's that simple. You have to run the ball better. You have to, but I mean, the truth is, if we could kick and if we could get production out of the offensive line, I mean, the rest of it's got a chance to to be okay. But uh, 
But I don't know if you can do that, you know. If you can find a right guard out there to come in and play for you, you you would feel really good. But I'm not sure that guy exists. Maybe he does. Maybe it's Banfield. Maybe we're just waiting for him. I don't know. So the hope but, you're holding on to this season is just got to play better. I mean, it's you don't think you, after last week you can ask that question? I mean, <laughs> I mean, last, I'm asking you, after I don't know. You, after you saw that game last week, I would have to think it's pretty simple. But, I mean, that's, you know, if you're going to play like that, you're not going to win another game. I mean, you're done. You're absolutely right. So you got to eliminate all that stuff. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not brain surgery. It's just really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So what do they have to do in order to do it? Like, I, I'm i convinced that if the Titans – like, last year the Titans were able to get on that run at the end of the season for two reasons. One, their backs were against the wall. And two, they were playing god-awful teams. So they got the Jets, the Jags, the Giants, and the Redskins. And they just absolutely crushed those teams. And then they ran into Indianapolis last week, and Marcus got hurt and couldn't play. I mean, I'm looking at this Titans team, and this is the thing that bothers me more than anything, is I look at the players on this team, and I'm like, this team is not that bad. This is not a seven-win team. Now, they look like they're probably going to be a seven-win team, but they're not a seven-win team. This team is better than that. And that's the one thing I feel like I'm trying to hang my hat on through all of this is that, is that maybe they pull their heads out of their rear ends because their backs are against the wall just like they did last year. The problem is is you got Kansas City and you've got the Colts again and you've got the Jags again and you got two of the Texans and one with the Saints. So if they're going to get themselves into the playoffs, they're going to have to earn it. And I fear they don't have the players to win all of those games. They don't have good enough players to run through that streak of games and win all of those games. The Cowboys last year had those kind of players to win those games. And I just don't know if the Titans have good enough players in order to reel off the wins they're going to have to get. I mean, all of those teams are good. All those teams are playing well. I mean, even Oakland is not bad. And going out to California, the Titans have never been good. Yeah. And the Raiders are surprisingly playing well. So, I mean, they've got some, some talent. They do. But, I mean, it's going to be New Orleans and, you know, you name all those teams. I mean, they're good football teams, good solid football teams. And you have to be every bit of that if you're going to compete at that level. I just hate the idea that we're going to sit here on November 5th and we're going to take the Titan season and crinkle it up and throw it into the trash can. And yet I'm trying to be realistic here. I mean, this team was supposed to be good this year. This team was supposed to be a good football team. And it's November 5th, and we're almost ready to write off the season if we're not already ready to write off the season? That's just, that that kills me. And it's almost like I'm, I'm holding on for dear life like a deck chair on a boat, and I'm praying to myself like, God, please do something the rest of the way to just give us some season. And the more I try to think about it, the more I'm like, Ian, and, and I just kind of want to, Want to write it off. And I'm sure there's a lot of people think that way. You know, probably just like that. But can the Titans continue to do the same thing over and over again and, and not expect a different result? What are you going to do? 
change a coordinator, change a play caller, change the philosophy of how they call plays or what plays they call. Uh, I, I don't know. You can't tell me that the Titans can just go to work and say, we're going to work the same amount of hard and hopefully things change and we get to the playoffs. I mean, there aren't a lot of options. I mean, there's not. I mean, you can't do any of that stuff that you mentioned. I mean, none of that's going to work. You know, so you've got to go out there and you've got to. It's just like the, you know, with with the quarterback. Quarterback's got to go out there. He's got to play. I mean, we can't do the dumb things. You can't have turnovers. You can't have penalties. You can't have those things. And if you if you don't have those things, then you at least give yourself a chance. I mean, that's what you're hoping for. Let's take your calls on the Titans. If the Titans make the playoffs, what do you think has to change? 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025 is the number. And again, I don't know if I'm ready to say they're not going to make the playoffs, but um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I probably don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And it pains me. It pains me. Plus, if Floyd was the GM right now, what would he be saying to the coaches and to the players? We'll get to that as well. 615-737-1025 here on Jared and the GM. We're live from the wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. Make your picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday. Weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium just on uh, Monday, December 30th. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app and play now. Selling our picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025 The Game. Going down a stretch last year, it seemed like your winning formula revolved around 22. This year, is there an attempt to form an identity on offense, and where does Henry fall in that picture? He's a very large part of it. As you can see, that um, once we were able to stay on track uh, like we were in the second half, um, he was a, a, it was a large part of it. Had a couple screens, a catch and run out of backfield. We ran the ball. We were able to block 59 and gain yards. Because of the way things went in the first half, um, you know, it made it hard. You know, we, we like I said, we we had 11 plays out of I think the first 21 plays that uh, were either first and 15, second and 10 plus, third and extra long, third and 14. Those are tough spots to be in um, when you want to try to have an identity to to run the football, throw play passes, run boots, uh, run screens, mix in drop back passes. Uh, th- those are tough down in distances to to run that. But uh, when we can stay on track and run it, throw play passes, throw screens, you can see that there's, um, there was some effective and good football. That was Rabel on, hey, you're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry? What's the idea? And, and he's going to. I think Derrick Henry, if they're going to make any change, it's going to be giving the ball to Derrick Henry more with a more focused effort on staying out of second and 28 so they can give Derrick Henry the ball. Be nice. If you were GM of the team, you're sitting at, at four and five, and you know your season is in critical in critical condition. Would you be doing anything differently on a day to day basis? Would you be looking at the draft more? Would you be talking to the scouts more? Would you be talking to the coaches a little bit stricter? Would you be telling some of the players, "Hey, get it together, Johnny Joe"? What would you be doing as GM? If you were in this situation, yeah, I mean, I don't think you, your your schedule doesn't change much because your schedule is so tight it can't change much. Mm-hmm. 
So you're doing the same stuff. You know, you're grading films, you're going to colleges, you're you're watching practices, you're evaluating college kids, you're evaluating your own players, your own team. Um, you know, you're going through the whole whole rigmarole. I mean, it's a it's a process. And once you, as we always used to say, once you get on the treadmill, you just stay on it. And uh, and you know, there's not really enough. There's absolutely, you know, there's no time that you can just all of a sudden decide you're going to break off and do something else um, without screwing up, you know, missing without missing something. Mm-hmm. Let's go to your phones. Robert is going to kick us off. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Always good to talk to you, Robert. All right. Just listening to you guys and everything and just thought I'd chime in. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I don't think this team is hungry enough uh, to be able to have those type of wins. I mean, they don't have the Eddie Georges out there. I don't never see anyone out there on this team out there doing the, the beginning of the games, go out there and just start rallying up. You know how Drew Brees come out, how he just get them all fired up and get the energy going. I don't see no type of enthusiastic like that. And, you know, you got to have the firing if you want to win. I mean, this team here, they just I mean, you got to have some energy if you want to play this game of football. I mean, they at the end when they lose a ball game, it's the same old story. Well, we're going to play better, do this, do that. I mean, it's just like a broken record. Come on, where's the energy? And then, last but not least, um, Mike Brable, I like you. You got to, you know, got Oh, no, Robert, not Robert, start over again with your criticism of Mike Vrabel, please. Go. Oh, okay. Mike Vrabel, <laughs> I like you and all, but don't be like that Mike Malarkin freak, please. <laughs> I mean, uh, for God's sake. I mean, at the at these press conferences and all, you begin to sound like a broken record. I want you to get and look into the camera and tell the people how you really feel. Tell them that you're tired of losing. Tell them that it's going to be some change. People want to hear some fire in your voice like, hey, okay, I'm going to turn this team around because guess what? At the end of the day, it starts with you, Mike. It's your team, buddy. It's your team. So I want you from now in your press conference, I want you to just let the people know. It ain't about nothing else. Let them know that you're trying to turn this thing around. and that Because people is getting – Tired of you beating on this dead horse because year after year after year, all they're doing is bringing in coach after coach. Buddy, we want you to stay here, but we don't want you to be like that Mike Malarkin freak. That's all I got. <laughs> you know, I was wondering with Robert because he hated Malarkey oh, and then great. he hated Mariota. I was wondering, like, Robert's out of scapegoats. You know, I mean, Robert oh. is a, he. That was Robert's first mark towards Mike Vrabel. He's coming for Vrabel. Vrabel better turn it around. Or else Robert in Nashville is coming for Vrabel. And I think I read somewhere where uh, maybe it was Lyndon Johnson said that when he was president, he goes, when I lost Walter Cronkite, I knew I lost America. That was what uh, LBJ said. Now, I don't really remember because I wasn't alive then. You were. You probably weren't following what LBJ was doing. Uh, no. Probably more worried about the field goal unit from Detroit. Ah, uh, yep. But, but he said that when I lost Walter Cronkite is when I lost America. And I wonder 
if when Mike Vrabel loses Robert in Nashville, that he will officially have lost this fan base and this team, and then he'll need to go. That if Robert in Nashville, because he still says he likes him and still believes in him and wants him to stay here, if Robert starts calling in wanting Mike Vrabel fired, that may just be enough for Amy to have to make the move. <laughs> because of how stacked the deck was in favor of Vrabel with Robert in Nashville, because of how much he absolutely despised, as he says, that malarkey freak. Malarkin. Well, I'm not going to go there. Now, back to your phones. Chris is up next. Good luck following that up. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, Jared, I I agree with what Floyd's saying. Um, Your example of the Cowboys going on a run, well, when you get three straight penalties on the offensive line that take away three positive plays, you miss three field goals. You make an interception and have a short field. I bet during that Dallas win streak, they had none of that. So it's about the players playing, and that's what Floyd's been telling you. The players have got to play. So the question then has to be, thank you for the call, the question then has to be, are the players good enough to play to the level that can get this team into the playoffs? Well, we've seen them play that way, except for the offensive line. But consistently to to beat the – Chiefs and the Saints and the Texans twice and those kind of teams? Well, I mean, the defense has played good for two years. I mean, they've been good. The rece- We've seen the receivers be productive. We've seen Derrick Henry be productive. I think we're confident that Tannehill can be productive. We've seen, seen John U and Delaney be productive. I mean, the offensive line is the, is the, the problem area. I mean, that's the one area that we've that's been the pain the whole time. You know, it's the leading cause of all the issues. Let's go to Tom, who's up next here on Jared and the GM. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I think you really have to give the ball to Henry. He's your best player on offense, and when you are feeding him the ball, he's responded, and he's gotten better and stronger as the game goes on. Um, I think the issues like last week with the play calling, and there's no urgency with this team. Knowing how stacked the AFC is right now, you think they'd come out with a little bit of more swagger trying to fight this ship? It's not happening. Um, if you look at almost like what Pruitt do in Tennessee, players bought into him, and they've turned it around these past few weeks. Rebels got to do something on his end to do that, get these players to buy in, and play with some more fire. Um, they also need to limit, limit some of these big plays they're seeing. I mean, the, they had the Chargers game one, but then the defense almost gave it up to them with giant big plays towards the end. So I think they need to be more consistency. A little bit more urgency on them as a whole. Thank you for the call. Do you think Vrabel needs more fire with the players? Do you think Vrabel needs to get up and and try to fire up the players and say, this is how it's going to, you know, things like that? Because that's what the fans think, and I'm not saying yes or no, but I wonder what you think. <laughs> We've talked about this. We just talked about it. Does Rabel need I mean, more fire in front of the camera uh, with the media? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, whatever. I mean, all of these things are just useless. I mean, what? That's, you know what? You're, you're putting a Band-Aid over a knife wound. You mean a gunshot wound? I mean a knife wound. Oh, well, like a gunshot wound, you know, is pretty bad. So it's a, so it's a knife wound. Well, it depends on how big the knife wound is. <laughs> well, a Band-Aid's not that big. Yeah, there's truth there now. A.G., <laughs> Go ahead. 
Yo, we still in the hunt, so I'm still extremely optimistic about my boys because I feel like we're a good team. I feel like we need to be a little bit more disciplined. I feel like we need to get a couple of balls to bounce our way. And I also want to comment on the, the Chargers and Atlanta Falcons. I believe them were two good teams when we played them because I believe that these two teams were extremely desperate and they were scratching and clawing for their season hopes. And like I said, I just feel like we need to be more disciplined and get a couple of balls to bounce our way. And I think we can get into the playoffs. That's all I got. A.G., thank you for your call. Is A.G. sponsored by the Tennessee Titans ticket line? I mean, I don't. The idea, you know, I think the Falcons were a good team when the Titans. The Falcons have been horrible all year long. And really all year back to last year, how bad the Falcons have been. I can't be that optimistic. God bless you, A.G. I cannot be that optimistic. I, I can't. Not that I have anything against Titans or anything like that, but... I mean, the idea of, hey, we're still in the hunt, so I'm optimistic. I still think the Titans can do it. I just don't feel good about that, if that makes any sense. No, it doesn't, but go ahead. It's like I, it's like I really want to get a puppy, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. And yet, <laughs> what? <laughs> Floyd just shut his microphone off. So I, I really want to get a puppy, and I asked Floyd during the break if I should get a puppy. And Floyd was, you know, kind of non-committal, not sure, so on and so forth. So I talked to my mom and sister about me getting a puppy today, and both of them were like, no. Like, no. You do not have the time for a puppy. That is it's tricky with You're the schedule. You're a 30-year-old man asking mama if you can have a puppy. My mom and sister. Right? I'm not asking them if I can have a puppy. I'm asking them if I should get a puppy. Just like I asked you if I should get a puppy. I don't need them to tell me one way or another, but I'm just saying that I was asking because I wanted to know their opinion on the matter. Because that's what responsible adults do is they ask for suggestions. Responsible adults just like me. Hal Gill going to join us coming up next. Preds kick that Detroit rear end. We'll get Hal's thoughts on it. Plus, uh, Ian, tell tell the folks what Hal said when you text him asking him if he would come on the show today. Uh, yes, he said, uh, hold on, let me get it. I don't want to get it wrong. Yes, I will come on. Just ask Jared not to be an idiot. Okay, so I will try my hardest, and we will get to Hal Gill next. Jared and the G, you are in tears. What, the, dog, how that, the dog thing got him, I How think. is that so funny? How is that so uh, funny? Mommy, can I have a puppy? <laughs> Will you get me a puppy for Christmas, That's please? That's not what happened. Son, you won't clean up the mess. You won't feed the... No, I will, Mommy. I promise. No, <laughs> that is not how that went. My mom and sister who both... Who's going to clean the poop up? You both... won't do it, and I'm not doing it. No, Mommy. I, <laughs> I do not live at my parents' house. The uh, The one thing, though, that I will say... The one thing I will say is uh, both my mom and sister were very adamant in kind of breaking down how much stuff will get chewed up if I have a puppy. Quite possible. So that was something that they really helped try to explain to me because, again, like a responsible adult, I pulled people's opinions. Just like I asked you during the last commercial break. Let me say this. If you you got people giving you that kind of advice, you do not need a puppy. In fact, you you don't need anything. Did I not ask you? Nothing that breathes oxygen. 
do you need? Well, plants breathe Nothing. oxygen. Yeah, I, plant? I, I plant, no, you'll kill those two. <laughs> Nothing. You get you did to no no nothing. Do not miss the pregame show. Start your morning off with a kickoff from 7 to 9.30, followed by the pregame show featuring former Titans receiver Chris Sanders along with Jared and the GM. Live from the George Jones downtown 2nd Avenue this Sunday from 9.30 to 11.30 prior to the Titans and the Chiefs. The pregame show is brought to you by Wholesaling, powered by RumbleOn.com, Komodo Tractors, your middle Tennessee Komodo dealers, and Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House. Jared and the GM, Hal Gill next at ESPN 1025 The Game. Jared, the GM, Preds dominate yesterday against Detroit. They're off the, who knows where, Area 51 today for whatever reason. I don't know if I'm allowed to dissect where they may or may not be. And then they'll be in Denver for the Avalanche. That game coming up Thursday, of course, right here at ESPN 1025, the game. We saw Willie today, Floyd, as he's back here for the Stars event tonight. The bag chuckers, though, Hal Gill, Chris Mason, they unsurprisingly made their way to Denver, which is where Hal Gill joins us now, presented by Puckets. Harold, what about that game last night from the Predators? Was there anything big to take away from it, or do we just kind of wipe our hands clean and say, hey, knock the daylights out of that not very good Detroit team and move on to the next one? Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think uh, I think for me, I, I'd say, hey, big win. You got some goals uh, the second period was an onslaught and uh kind of set up the rest of the game the first period was okay but uh I, I move on i don't think that team is is as good as as uh that first period showed i think the second period was more what they're all about so uh i move on from it and you got a big test in colorado so why worry about anything anyway when you look at the Predators, Pecorino's playing out of his mind. UC Soros can't buy a win. What is the dichotomy between the two goalies? Because you go back to Saturday, I thought Soros played a great game. What do you see in the two keepers? Yeah, I think it's just circumstantial. I think it's the, the sample size is too small. So, uh, you know, Pex was good last night. Uh, you know, he he made some saves, but he didn't. He wasn't called on to, to be awesome uh, like he usually is. So. Um, you know, I, I think we still have to wait and see. I think Juice was awesome the other night. That was a goaltender battle, believe it or not. That was uh, a two-to-one game. That was that was pretty awesome. Uh, both goalies played really well. So um, I, I don't look at the wins and losses. I just you know keep moving forward and and uh, keep looking at how they're playing. I think they're both playing really well. How there's a whole group of of guys that aren't you know the first line guys that are playing well and scoring a lot but Nino is is has been lighting it up recently what do yeah. you see what do you see that he's doing different or or is it just the system well he's smart if you look at all of his goals they're either one touches or he's right around the the, the net and just tipping it in and, and quick little shift and and uh paying Paying for paying for all the hard work and and uh, getting in front of the net and scoring goals that way. So I, he's just smart, man. He's that goal last night with the Dan Hamuse pulls it across the the blue line, uh, a nice little wrister. Doesn't have time for the big slab shot, uh, but a perfectly placed tip, uh, and it it looks like it's easy because he makes it look easy, and uh, it's not. He just he's got a knack for around the net and and where to put his and, and where to be, he's working with Smith and Grimaldi, and he knows those two guys are going to be buzzing. 
So as soon as they start buzzing, he goes to the net. Uh, you know, he's no dummy. He's he knows where the cookies are, and he goes right there, and uh, and battles in front of the net, and waits for it to happen. So, a smart player, good hands around the net. Um, he just gets it done, and I, he's he's always done it. He's always been smart. It's nice to see him get the scoring touch where he's uh, he's doing all the right things offensively. Of of all those guys, the you know Beninos and Sissons and Tourists and all those guys that seem to be lighting it up recently, which one is kind of the biggest surprise to you? Um, it's <laughs> that's a tough one because neither one really surprises me, but it's it's kind of cool to see him doing it all at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, you expect to get you know fifth. I I look at each one of those guys and say. They can be 15 to 25 goal scorers. You know that that's what you can expect from them. Um, when you say Watson, Bonino, Sissons, uh, uh, I think it's kind of cool that right now they're all doing it. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you look at the team, and uh, you know, Forsberg is is great. Duchesne is awesome. Arvey and and Joey, they're they're all great players. They really haven't been pulling the team along. You know that I think you need more from those guys. Um, and, and you're pulling, you're doing all right because all these other guys are coming in and scoring goals. I don't think there's many teams, certainly not Detroit last night. Uh, that was not a deep team. I mean, they had one line that could score, and the rest uh, were not very impressive. Uh, and so it, it's a treat for the Preds to have that much depth and, and scoring throughout the lineup. Hal Gill with us again, presented by Puckets. Hal, if you had to say the one thing that's bothering you about the Predators right now would be, what is it? I mean, I, I didn't love how they let up at the end of the Calgary game, but even when they lose, I don't walk away from the games upset or disappointed by something that I think is a problem. Yeah, no, I don't I don't see a problem. I think early in the season, I, I thought they had some defensive problems. I don't see that now. I just see an NHL that's really hard in night in night out. There's so many different challenges. And I think that's the problem right now. And, and every team has that problem because guys are good guys make plays. And, um, you know, there's a couple times where I feel like, uh, they're a little lazy and, and makes it, you know, they even did it a little bit last night where they turned the puck over, uh, late in the game, you know, the back, the drop passes and the lazy plays, I really think they're so effective when they get pucks and play 200-foot game. Like, how many goals have we seen come from below the goal line where they just get in on the forecheck and and grind teams down? I think they could do that consistently and and win games. So, um, but there's no real weakness. It's just just being human, you know. You you feel good offensively, so you try to make plays, and it doesn't always work out. you know, over the long course of the season, you have to balance that out and make sure that you're being creative and making plays without taking too many risks. And I think that's just just a balancing act. So I think they're still working on that. That might be their only, you know, real weakness that I see right now. Becca sets a record last night for, I think, record for a certain age or whatever. How nice is it to see? <laughs> he yeah. sets another record, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking to myself, how, how big a record is that? I mean, how many of those things is he going to get here in the next little bit? Well, the cool part is he's doing it. Uh, all these age records, you know? It's yeah. like, you know, he gets this, uh, the only goalie over 35, 
and they're going to keep bringing them up because, you know, as he gets older, it's just no one else is playing that old. It's hard, <laughs> especially for a goalie. And and I'll tell you, I went to – Pekka and I went to the same hip doctor at the same time, and, you know, he's, the doctor said, you know, you gotta you got to get hip surgery both to both of us. I told the doctor, there's no way I'm going to get hip surgery because I'm too old for it. And Peck said, you know, although he's younger than me, he said, all right, let's do it. And he had the surgery, and he's battled back. It's so impressive <laughs> that he he's so so strong on his edges. And, he, you know, overcoming a, a hip surgery for a goalie and then playing at 37, and he looks good. He doesn't look like he's missed a beat. He's, he's better than ever. And, uh, you know, it says a lot about what he's done in the training and the effort that he's put in, not just on the ice, you know, we all see the great efforts he makes, but uh, off the ice, he's he's a machine right now. He's he's doing everything right and uh, taking care of his body. And I think more of those records are are coming for it. Hal Gill with us. Hal, when a Jewish person passes away, we say a prayer called the Mourner's Kaddish. And I always think that with broadcasters, whenever some team is getting waxed in a playoff game and they're probably going to be eliminated, the broadcasters go into what I call the Mourner's Kaddish for that team. And I remember being in an Uber on the way home from a watch party of the Predators and the Avalanche two years ago, and you and Pete Weber were, were, were saying the Mourner's Kaddish for the Colorado Avalanche. And the talk was something along the lines of, hey, the Avalanche look good, but get ready because this team's going to be pretty good the next couple of years. Colorado is freaking good this year. And you and the Predators, you guys are already in Denver. The Predators play them on Thursday. How I know it's November, early November. How big are the Avalanche games going to be this year? Um, it's going to be big. I think we got them at the right time with a couple injuries. Uh, Rantanen and Landeskog, uh, you know, they're banged up. So uh, there's still McKinnon to deal with, which is not easy. Uh, he's, he's, in my opinion, one of the best forwards in the game. So uh, the young defense that they have, uh, you know, they're getting goaltending. I, I, I think they're they're going to be a, a good team um, down the down the stretch. They're going to be right in the mix. So uh, not just getting the points in Colorado, but also proving to yourself that you can beat them. Uh, you know that was a, a heck of a series that the Preds had against them two years ago. Um, that wasn't a fluke. I think that's something that's going to be more to come as that team gets better and the Preds are just as good as they've ever been. Uh, it's going to be a battle, and I'm pretty excited to see it because it's a a team that's fun to watch. You know, you have good young defensemen that are offensive, and you have forwards like McKinnon that buzz all over the place. Uh, You know, those those games are fun to watch, but I I think it it sets a tone for the rest of the season. So uh, I'll, I'll give it to you, Jared. This is a big one. Hal Gill, we will see you Thursday night for the call in Colorado. Enjoy the next week and a half of your life, and we'll see you when you get back. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, Thanks Hal. We'll see you. Hal Gill, presented by Puckets, as always on the show. Floyd, I'm about to have a meltdown over here. So tonight is the first night of college basketball, right, which I know you care nothing about until we get to, like, February, and then if the Vols or Kentucky are good, then you'll care. But tonight is the first night of college basketball. So the ACC, to push the ACC network, the new TV channel, that I'm not even sure you get, what they've done is they've put conference matchups to start the season. 
So Louisville is playing Miami right now to start the basketball season. So I want to watch the game, right? I get the ACC network. I want to watch a game. You want to know why I can't watch a game right now? Why? Because soccer went to overtime, and they're in penalty kicks between North Carolina and Syracuse. There you go. Because soccer is on TV. Soccer. And not even good soccer. Like, if this were the World Cup team, then okay. But soccer. Instead of ACC basketball, you build this TV network for basketball. That's why nobody cares about ACC football. The ACC sucks. So we only care about basketball. And you build this network for basketball, and soccer is on soccer. Oh, my goodness. They should just cancel the soccer game. Just say, hey, we're going to stop it right now. We'll pick it up when the basketball games are over. Uh, We'll tape delay it. I don't care. But soccer. Oh, goodness gracious. Jared of the GM. How do we feel about the Predators so far? We'll discuss next. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Hey, let me tell people before I forget. And I might forget because I'm so mad about this current situation with the ACC Network. Do not miss this Wednesday, Smashville Live, featuring special guest, former Predators great Mike Fisher. We'll be in Cool Springs at uh, Brewhouse South at 7 o'clock. Braden Gall will host the show, and fans can also win tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. A limited number of autographs and pictures will be available, so be sure to get there early. This Wednesday night, Smashville Live is brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, Yeehaw Beer, and Red Spirits and Wine. Jared of the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. Mantha comes over in across the line to his left. Got a shot into the skates there of Hamus. Knocks it down behind the net. And that's going to do it. The Nashville Predators win this one here tonight. 6-1. Coach, what do you make of that second period? Yeah, it was, it was good. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot going out, on out there in the first period. You know, we're down one nothing and... Five on five, we only gave up a couple chances. We, we only generated a few chances. It was just tight. And so in the second period, we were able to find more pucks going to the net and people going to the net and able to cash in and score some goals. Nice win last night for the Predators, Floyd Reese. So how would you describe your feelings so far this early in the season for the Predators? Good? Indifferent? We have to be optimistic. Cautiously Certainly. or overly? No. Floyd never gets overly even, no. does he? No. Yeah, be optimistic. I mean, I think you're seeing the, the thing that I like as much as anything, two things. I like how well Peck is playing, and I like the fact that we've got guys down the line scoring. And and I wonder to myself, okay, the guys down the line are scoring and scoring a bunch. Shouldn't the guys up top? be scoring a little bit more you know are we getting what we should out of that um and it's like Cal said i think you know you're getting down to your your ladder lines and you're getting production out of those guys and at some point in time playing whoever it may be i mean those those things are going to make a difference and so uh I think you have to be excited, optimistic about all that. I think the changes you made in the offseason, adding Matt DeShane, the power play coach, I think both are just kicking butt right now. You know, that that's where I'm excited and optimistic about this team is those things are coming to fruition. They are kicking butt, and I am thankful for that, and I am appreciative of that. So that is a good feeling, at least, that I have as far as, as that's concerned. So Floyd has decided to, to I don't want to say – offer up a threat 
But I have put the, the soccer game is over on the ACC network in Louisville and Miami is on basketball. Tonight is the first night for college basketball. They've got the Champions Classic. We're going to be having those games on here, ESPN 1025, the game tonight, right? You don't think so? I don't know. But we might have them. So, anywho. So, so anywho. So we do have Kentucky, Michigan State on 94 9 game two tonight. Okay, there you go. So, anywho, I knew I heard that promo say something. So, anywho, uh, we got the Louisville Miami game on the big TV, and the big TV is Floyd's TV. But I can only control it with my phone. I can't control the little TV, which is my TV, with my phone. And ACC Network is only on my phone. So Floyd has offered up a threat to me about the uh, about what I have done today in the studio. Well, no, I'm just pointing out that don't don't think this is going to happen very often because we are not watching college basketball this early in the year on my TV. Now, you can watch whatever you want on your TV, okay. which is over here. February 22nd, can we watch college basketball on your TV? February 22nd. I'll have to take that into consideration. I think that's around the time of the combine, so that may be a little too close to... Uh, we may have to watch dudes sprinting backwards for the cone drill. That that may not be... We may not be allowed to watch basketball then on Floyd's TV. Uh, the other thing... About the uh, about Floyd TV, college basketball starts tonight. Floyd, who are your final four teams this year? (laughs) (laughs) I was getting, I was setting this thing a whole up with college basketball to get Floyd's final four teams. Go ahead, give them to me, Floyd. We're we're thrilled about. uh, I would say it'll be uh, UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Cronin in his first year takes UCLA to the final, and. and uh, Kentucky and Duke <laughs> and uh, what are they playing the same region? Who is who's going to be the third one? Fourth, fourth one. Uh, no love for no love for uh, Loyola. No, Sister Jean or Loyola? Sister Jean, Ca- California. No, Sister Jean. No love for Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden in Tennessee this year. Rick Barnes, you love Rick Barnes. No love for Rick Barnes. Uh, they're going to struggle a little bit. Stackhouse. <sighs> <laughs> what about Casey Alexander in his first year at uh, Belmont? Great. Not going to the final four. Yeah, I think I'd be surprised, but. So Who knows? College basketball starts tonight. I have Louisville. I think Louisville will win the championship this year. In fact, we're up 21-16 on Miami. So I'm excited about that. College basketball starts tonight. Preds back Thursday. Titans back Sunday. Get excited. Jared and the GM. Ian, what is coming up next? Preds Insiders coming up next. Slapshot Radio following that. And then Anchor Down Podcast on 1025 The Game. And then on Game 2, we'll have Kentucky-Michigan State starting at 7. Man, treating Tuesday like a Wednesday. That's how I like it. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025 The Game.